Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, DCBService.com, and Summit City Comic Con. Everyone and welcome to the Doctor's Companion episode fifty-two. Yes, I think so. Yeah, episode fifty-two. Um, I'm Scott, and with me I have Matt. I'm Matt Smith, but not that yes. Matt Smith. Yes. Well, yeah, I forgot about our little joke. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> 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 it's been a while. <laughs> it has. It has. Yeah. Um, so yeah, welcome back. Uh, Randy you. couldn't make it. This week, so you're uh, you're filling in on what is a phenomenal episode. Yeah. Oh darn! Of all the stories for me to for me to fill in on, it's it's this one. Oh darn! Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, fourth episode of uh, series six, and it is the Doctor's Wife, written by Neil Gaiman, and uh, we're going to be talking about that in just a second. But before we do. I want to remind everybody that we're from the website geekshowentertainment.com where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion as well as Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, Movie Night at Geek Show, Geek Show Soundcheck, Super Geeks, and The Geek Show with Scott and Matt, which is premiering not June 1st, (laughs) but in fact um, probably uh, later in the summer, late summer, early fall. Um, we'll, we'll have an exact date soonish, but, uh, yes, yes, yes. yeah, update on that at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. If you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't help us out by leaving an iTunes review, iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at TDC at geekshow.us. That's TDC as in the doctor's companion all right so we are here of course to talk about the doctor's wife the long time uh discussed and dreamed about episode from neil gaiman uh i mean we we've known that neil gaiman was writing an episode of um stephen moffat's doctor who uh, since like what a week after Stephen Moffat was announced, I mean it's been a long time. <laughs> Something like that. It's been like two years in the making because it was like supposed to be last season, but they ran out of money and did the lodger instead. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I'm gonna be honest, I love that it's in this season and not last season for some reason. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think that I think it's funny too that that the lodger took its place because of the uh, of like the makeshift TARDIS here and in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that amusing. Yeah. Uh, but but and speaking of that makeshift TARDIS, it's um it was the Blue Peter contest winner. Yeah. TARDIS. Yeah. Um, which is which is interesting because I remember they were doing that contest last year, and everyone thought it was the one that was in the Lodger. Um, but it actually wasn't. It was this one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice. Um, yeah. So. Uh, 
oh god the doctor's wife wow I uh this. let's i loved gonna, this yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do overall thoughts now um we're not going to do a like a a, a beat by beat breakdown of this episode because there's just too much yeah we here. be here till tomorrow yeah exactly so we're, we're not going to do that um we're going to just kind of go into a, a short synopsis and then kind of break down like point by point things we want to talk about um later but overall thoughts matt how much did you love this episode um well, I think I think I was watching it, um, and I was very you know the expectation level on this episode was very high, uh, especially because last week's, as you guys talked about, was was really kind of disappointing, um, and so like you know like you said you were left unsatisfied. I I felt the same way, and Neil Gaiman's episode was something that like you know it wasn't one that like. People have always been taught when I hear about the the crew talking about the late like the stories for the season. It's always like, oh, the end of episode six is really good, and the end of episode seven is really good, and just wait, just wait, just wait. And like, I don't know. So like, the buzz on this episode has really been under the radar. All I knew is that it was really expensive, and so I came in with no expectations. And it like I don't remember when I realized that it was blowing me away, but I think it was. I don't know. I think it was about the time when the doctor was talking to the TARDIS um, for the first time when she's in that cage. And I was just like, oh, this is wonderful. And then, you know, by the end, I was just crying when, when the doctor was talking to his TARDIS for the last time. Like, it was just, it was just so good. And it was just magical. But it also was like, it felt inherently Moffat because the sensibilities kind of crossover but at the end but at the same time like it totally felt like neil gaiman like it was neil gaiman on the screen in every way shape and form and i just i loved i loved this so much like this this might be my favorite like i don't even know if this is the best that's happened this season because like the impossible astronaut day of the moon was really good but like oh my god i think this is my favorite of this season, possibly my favorite of the entire Moffat run so far, possibly my favorite Doctor Who of the new series. But I have, I'd have to go back and and look at that to see if that's the case. But this was, this was so good. This was just great. What about you? Yeah, you this is this is definitely my favorite of the Moffat Moffat era, mm-hmm. um, and that says a lot. And I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be my favorite of the modern era mm-hmm. um, as well. Because like and like you said, like I need to go back and rewatch my most favorite episodes, but. It, like the thing that I loved about this episode is that like I love the Moffat episodes because of their like his inherent timey wiminess um, and that na- yeah the, the the yeah the just the Moffaty thing that he does where he just he looks at time travel differently than any other writer right um, and and so like I love that but the thing with that is that he's now been doing it for so long that you can kind of guess where his stories are starting to go. Yeah. Um, in in a, in a lot of aspects, and and you always know that there's going to be some kind of twist to like what he's doing, not like a Shyamalan twist, but like <laughs> there's God. just there, yeah, there's just there's <laughs> something like there's always something twisty about Moffat's episodes, mm-hmm. um, and 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 so you know going into this, I didn't really know what to expect from Neil Gaiman because really honestly, the only things that I before this episode that I was um, really aware of with Neil Gaiman was Stardust, which is a movie I love, and um, Coraline, which is right. another movie I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that that's it. I mean, that's all the Neil Gaiman. I've never read Sandman. I've never read not, any of his novels. Um, that's not true anymore because after this episode, I went out and bought American Gods, and I'm reading that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not that familiar with Neil Gaiman, so I I wasn't totally sure what to expect. So I I didn't know what to expect. So therefore, I couldn't really have expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, but the episode is just so inherently sweet and charming and so obviously made by someone who truly absolutely head over heels loves 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 doctor who yeah i mean you can just you can just see the fandom all over this episode and the number of references like he's pulling stuff from classic stories like not just classic stories but like random classic stories that he loves you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not even like morbius is showing up again like it's like you know hypercubes are showing up again which is crazy yeah um but yeah it's just god this episode was just it was so good and so emotionally like fulfilling like it just yeah oh god it just it felt so good and you could just because the thing that's so funny is like you know, like the, you always talk about this in a lot of shows, um, where an inanimate object becomes a character, whether it be like, like a city is a character, like Sunnydale is this character in Buffy, right. and you know the 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 car in um, Supernatural is a character on that show, mm-hmm. and like you know, like just stuff like that, and 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 there's always that thing, that that is a character, and like that show or that movie wouldn't exist without that thing. And they're just so synonymous. And the TARDIS is so Dr. Who even more so than the doctor is. Yeah. Um, and, and so like having this episode and making the TARDIS literally a character and come to life was just so brilliant and so well done. And, and I mean, Saran Jones freaking blew it away. Like she just, Oh, she killed it. Oh, she, she was killed a, it. She absolutely killed it. Absolutely killed it. Um, and it just oh god, it was it's so so good. Mm-hmm. And the thing that that's so great too about it is that it fits with Moffat's era so perfectly because it is this this, this episode is the Beast Below only done a hundred times better because yeah. it's that it's that fairy tale thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it is, and that's what the beast below was supposed to be was a fairy tale, um, but it kind of just came off as as a bit of a generic Doctor Who episode, a good generic Doctor Who episode, mm-hmm. but it was still just a Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this one truly felt like a fairy tale, no, with, not just with a your, fairy tale, but like a mythic fairy tale, like yeah, quintessential. Like that's the thing about Neil Gaiman, and like as you said, like I'm not personally super familiar with him. I read like. I've read, like, the first two trades of Sandman. I read his Marvel 1602, um, and I have a couple of his books, but I haven't ever gotten a chance to read them because <laughs> college. Um, but, like, I know that he's very interested in, like, myth- myths and mythology, and, like, all of this, just everything felt so mythic, like, across the board. And, like, even even right down to, like, the character names of Auntie House, Uncle, and Nephew. Just, like, that just, it just gave this whole mythic, sensation and feeling and it felt like you know a war of gods you know where house is kind of like his own version like version of a god and the tardis is a goddess and and the doctor's like you know you know her husband in a way and it's Mm -hmm. oh just it just felt so right and so good and so fresh you know like you know 
Stephen Thompson hadn't written for for Doctor Who before, but like you know, the Curse of the Black Pearl didn't exactly feel fresh. Um, other things from the Moffat era felt fresh. Other things from the didn't, Davies era felt fresh, but like didn't exactly feel fresh. <laughs> I'm being kind. That was a different discussion for a different time, and I wasn't oh, on the show, so whatever. Okay. Um, right. But but the the game and like this just felt fresh in every sense of the word, mm-hmm. and like. You know, we were talking offline. We've talked a lot about it where, like, you know, people were saying that Gaiman's the new Moffat, and we're just like, we'll believe it when we see it. And it's like, no, Gaiman is the new Moffat. Like, Gaiman needs yes. to come back and not just write one episode a season, but when Moffat's done, screw it. Gaiman, please take over. Please become the new thing. Please. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that show would be like. It'd be really expensive looking, is what it would be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, oh, God, I want that to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. It never will in a million years, but, oh, God, I'd like it to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just, I just, I really just want him to do another episode. I mean, I want him to be the new, the Stephen Moffat of of the Stephen Moffat era. Oh, please, yes. Um, Yes, I mean, that, but the thing is, it's like you said, right after watching this, he never has to do another episode again because he wrote the perfect Doctor Who episode. Yeah. Well, it's also like, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're like, I, I always have this weird thought where it's like, if you're going to do one story, what's going to be the one story that you do? If you do Doctor Who, like, I know. Oh, if that's I totally were, what this is. Yeah, that's it, totally exactly. what this is. And yeah. like, if you look at, if you look at Moffat, like even Moffat's first episode, like the empty child, the doctor dance is like, you know, like I really enjoy that episode. Everyone seems to love that episode. But if I had to say that Stephen Moffat was going to do one story, it wouldn't be that. Like the one Stephen Moffat story that I think that he would do if he had to do all of them wouldn't even be Blink. It would be either Silence in the Library or it would be Girl in the Fireplace. And right. it took and him, like, I, w- two- I would really say Girl in the Fireplace just yeah. because Silence in the Library seems more like a prologue to his show. Right. Um, and I would agree yeah. with that. Like, definitely. Like, when I think of Stephen Moffat, and if I had to sum Stephen Moffat up in one story, despite the fact that it's not his best story, it would be Girl in the Fireplace. Mm-hmm. This is... Neil Gaiman's Girl in the Fireplace, and he honestly, he doesn't need to do another Doctor Who ever again. Like, because he, like, he took one swing and hit a Grand Slam. Like, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous that he got it right the first time. It's it's insane. It's completely insane. It, it really is. I, I, oh my god. I'm like so, <laughs> I'm so jealous of this episode. Yeah. Um, of, of, of its existence. Because like, it, it so feels like that. Like that Doctor Who episode that he spent his whole life watching classic Doctor Who and just like dreaming up this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's all been coming down to this, like the airing of it on Saturday. And it, and it, like I, I mean, I've looked at some of the internet reaction, and despite one person, it's been universal play, universal praise, like universal praise, and it's, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's so good. And like that's the thing is like, you know, when I was watching it, I was just like, I was just like, oh, the TARDIS comes to life, that's brilliant. But like, I've seen that in other places. Like I've seen some other Doctor Who stuff where that's actually happened. I won't say what it is here, and if you if you post in the comments, I'll tell you some stories where that's happened. But like I've seen it other places, but I've never seen it done this good like never because this got to the heart of it because the last time i saw it like it turned into the tardis was evil and it was being possessed by something else and it was not not interesting um Mm -hmm. granted it was the brigadier back then which made it cooler but like you know (laughs) yeah um but like this was just it was it was if you were to do the doctor the tardis coming to life and getting put into a person 
this is how you do it. And it, it was emotionally heart-wrenching, and they never mentioned that it was the Doctor's wife. But, like, as soon as you put the title and the concept together, you're just like, of course it's that. Like, of course it's that. It's not even like the Doctor got married to Marilyn Monroe. Like, it, of course it's that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, like, when it when it... When people, when the name was announced, the title of the episode, everyone's first assumption was, oh, we're going to find out about River Song in this. I'm like, do you really think we're going to find out about River Song in an episode not written by Stephen Moffat? Really? <laughs> like, that, like, that was my response to everyone who ever said that. Like, yeah. I was just like, really? Do you really think that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was, this was just, oh my God, this was brilliant. This was so brilliant. I guess I guess we should talk about some of the specifics yeah, before we, we gush really anymore. Because we could just keep gushing for hours and hours. Oh, I know we could. Um, but before I, we... I mean, honestly, it, it gets to the point where like I'd be like, "Screw it," and we'd queue up our queue up our videos and we'd just watch it and do a live commentary track. I know. <laughs> That's, like seriously, if we went on for another half an hour. We'd just be like, "Screw it, let's do it," and we'd just go <laughs> and totally. do that. Um, um, so before we get into uh, our our sort of beat by beat discussion. Um, I do want to remind everybody that uh, we're sponsored by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, X-Men First Class by Jeff Parker and Roger Cruz. This book is available for $15.49 or 38% off the suggested retail price of $24.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Also, it should be noted that that's the hardcover version of the book. And there's also a trade paperback version um, that is like half that price. So... Um, be on the lookout for that. Um, DCBService.com. Uh, We're also sponsored by them. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, if you pre-order your collected editions, you can save 50% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. And finally... Summit City Comic Con, which is held in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on Saturday, June 18th. Uh, Summit City Comic Con is a comic convention held by our friends at InStockTrades.com and DCPService.com, and it is a one-day convention with guests that include Sean McKeever, Mike Norton, Jason Howard, Katie Cook, Steve Bryant, Ian Brill, and I will be there promoting Geek Show Entertainment as well as my new webcomic that would be launching um, hopefully next month. Uh, tickets are only $10, which you can buy on the website SummitCityComicCon.com or the day of the show. So thanks to them, and I hope to see all of you there. Yes. Yes. All right. So, uh, Matt, if you want to give us a quick synopsis of the episode. Um, okay. The Doctor and his companions get a message from a Time Lord. They arrive on a planet. The TARDIS shuts down. They meet a strange woman. The woman turns out to be the TARDIS. The, Tard- the, the Doctor locks Amy and Rory in the TARDIS. Uh, the TARDIS gets possessed by this creature called House, who was on this planet that they landed on. Because um, he eats TARDISes, which is can, really clever. Can I just say, can I just say, okay, the voice of house is michael done sheen, by right? michael sheen how awesome would it have been if it was hugh laurie let's be honest let's <laughs> be honest really great I'm not that would have been really really great <laughs> <laughs> like hugh laurie like not as house but hugh laurie like like his natural speaking voice like with his yeah. natural accent and everything but just mm-hmm. the fact that it would have been hugh laurie just i would have lost my mind and giggled fanatically for hours i think hours. i think that's the one thing that's missing from this story let's be yeah because because michael sheen i mean he was definitely intimidating and good but 
the, the cleverness of casting Hugh Laurie in that role would have been really, really good. It would have been epic, honestly. Yeah. It would have been yeah. so epic. Um, so, and I'm only going beat by beat really quickly because of the synopsis and like, just cause you, I don't think, I don't think people realize how simple this story is, or maybe they do. I don't know. Um, so the doctor, uh, and the TARDIS watch the TARDIS get stolen, uh, so Amy, Rory, and House are heading back to the main universe because there are no more TARDISes and House needs to eat something else. Um, so they head back to the regular universe and this is like a side bubble universe. Um, and then the, the, the Doctor and his TARDIS make a new TARDIS, go into the TARDIS, and then the Doctor manages to trick House and they defeat House and that's the saving end of the day. And that's basically the entire story. Uh, there's a lot more to it, but um, the basic structure of that story is just... Oh, it's so good. It's so glorious. It's so easy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it just... Oh, my God. He makes it look so effortless. Yeah. And you know that he went through, like, eight drafts of this. Like, because he's been, he's been very out- honest about, like, how many drafts he went through of this story. But... Oh, my God. Um... <clears throat> So let's, so let's talk about this. let's talk about how how this is like the quintessential. This will be like I can't imagine anything else coming close to this episode as the quintessential Matt Smith episode. Oh, I can't think of anything. No, I mean like, like the eleventh hour comes close, but even then the eleventh hour is still just his introductory story, mm-hmm. and like it's almost handicapped because it is. But mm-hmm. like matt smith killed it like he killed it in this this is this is the best matt smith i think i've ever seen honestly oh yeah 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 yeah. just because it's it's such a well-rounded episode for him Mm -hmm. you know it has him being sneaky it has him being funny it has him being a smart ass it has him you know uh uh being condescending it has him being emotionally uh, vulnerable which emotionally vulnerable yeah yeah i mean it like everything it has him being romantic it has him being like every feeling that you that you could have any one character have he has in this episode like it's mm-hmm. insane the 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 spectrum of emotion in this episode yeah. coming out just exuding out of Matt Smith mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and i think that, that that i mean a lot of that has to do with the script and Neil Gaiman probably wanting to write all of those doctors you know, like yeah. all of those aspects of the Doctor in one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt Smith nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. One of the other things I think that's really good about this, and this is just like this is just like fan service, I know, but it's also like one of the cool things is like when you think about this story and all the things that it does and all the things that Game and you know kind of wanted to do with the story, like one of the things that's always talked about is like other rooms in the TARDIS and stuff. Um, right, we see it right. a lot. In, yeah, we see it a lot in other things. Like, you know, we, we talked about Castrovalo on the show, uh, you know, maybe a couple months ago at this point, and how they got to go into the TARDIS and we got to see some of the other rooms. And like, there's a section of this where Amy and Rory are just running through the TARDIS corridors and like, Oh my god, how exciting was that when they just fucking run up the... Sorry, I swore. I apologize. When, <laughs> when they ran up the stairs and just and just go running away from house. Like, oh, it's just awesome, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I loved, I loved seeing the TARDIS corridors. And I love, too, that it was a total, like, classic series callback with, with the fact that, like, they only built, like, that, those, that three-way. 
and yeah. then they just shot it at different angles or whatever and made yeah. it look like different areas but it's really just that same three way over and over again mm-hmm. and if I have a problem with it I think that's my only problem with it because I really want to see other rooms and stuff like everyone wants yeah. to see rooms like the library and stuff but I think like so if that's my if I have a problem with it I like I understand the budgetary reasons and you know it makes sense from a, from a logical standpoint where it's just like you're just all they're doing is dealing with the nightmare of the endless corridors of the TARDIS. Um, so so if I do have a problem with it, it's that they didn't get into enough rooms and it's just corridors in the same corridor over and over and over again. But I understand it. And apparently those are standing sets that they can use at any time now, which is awesome because um, mm-hmm. they looked expensive in the confidential. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, we did see one other room, which was – the uh, Davies console room. Oh is, my god! That oh was my so god. awesome. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my I couldn't god. believe how much I missed that set until oh I saw god. Amy and Rory and the Doctor all gallivanting around, and I'm like, oh god, I missed that set. Oh, you know when they said secondary control room, I was like this close to being like, are we going to see Gothic Tardis? Like I was like, I was like this close, and I was like, no, they wouldn't. And then they ran into the other room, and I was like, oh, that's so good. Oh my goodness! Oh, it was awesome. It was like that that moment in Blink where they run into the the TARDIS, and it just feels like you know you see it from their perspective, where you kind of recognize it, but it still looks like an alien place. Mm -hmm. Which is oh, it's just so good. Yeah, because you recognize the setting, but not the people in it. You know, so it's just oh god, it was awesome. (laughs) It was such a cool moment. Oh, it was it was it was oh, just another moment of just like. Fan, like fan service, but also in a reverential sort of way. Oh my god! Oh, yes. What else? Yeah. Um, the the the. Well, well, I just had it. Oh, the references. I guess we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah, like, yeah. You because you talked about references, and I, I don't. I doubt that I knew any of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really want to hear what they are. Well, the one of them, one of them. I think the biggest one and the most obvious one is the hypercubes, which was the little box that the doctor got the message from Corsair at the beginning. Um, and that's actually a reference Gaiman had said before he took over the episode. He's like, I incorporated something into my episode that I remember from uh, an old Patrick Troughton serial. And somehow someone figured out that it was the war games, his final story, Troughton's final story, the second doctor. Um, so they realized it was from that. And in that the doctor summons the, uh, the time Lords using a, like a telepathic cube that he sends off into, into, uh, you know, the vortex that he sends. So like, that's what that comes from. And I was just sitting there. I was just like, Oh, that's awesome. We get, we get that again. Like that was, Oh, it's such a good reference. Um, you know, like, I don't know if you remember the war game super well, but like it was in that, um, okay. And then another one, um, where the doctor was talking about going to the eye of Orion, um, in, uh, in, in, in the TARDIS, uh, at the end, he's like, well, you want to go to the Isle of Orion? That's something that, um, was a Davison staple. Like apparently Davison was like, Hey, we're going to the Isle of Orion. He kept saying that to his companions over and over and over again. And they finally got there in the five doctors, I think it was. Um, and then, you know, all hell broke loose. Uh, but, uh, so that was something, uh, they mentioned the six doctors umbrella at a certain point. Um, it was just, it's just, Did they? Like, yeah, yeah, they mentioned that the TARDIS, I think, was a was a mis- the the TARDIS that they build from scratch was a mismatch of parts, like the Six Doctors umbrella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Wait, did they did they say the Six Doctors umbrella? Or what no, did like they say? like they think they said like your umbrella that one time, and in the in the um, I think it's his second season of Colin Baker's era. There's a there's a um, 
there's a part where he has an umbrella and he's just walking around with his umbrella. So it's like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, like it's it's all these little like references like Artron Air Energy, which is like the the temporal energy that that uh, fuels the TARDIS that Matt Smith used in um, Death of the Doctor, the Sarah Jane adventure, uh, to to switch places with I guess it was Clyde, I think. Um, that just like all sorts of references that just make that just show you that that game is just like all over these these sort of you know these new things and and old things, and he just loves the show and stuff. It's oh, it's just great. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, if if nothing else, that's what you take away from this, is that mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman loves this show. Like, oh, definitely. Like, it's so funny because, you know, people would say that about, about Stephen Moffat, too, um, but I think that actually uh, none of the episodes that he, that he wrote um, for Doctor Who, uh, at, at least specifically in the Davies era, really screamed out that he was just, like, he loved... Doctor Who as mm-hmm. much as uh, the curse of fatal death like that was mm-hmm. that was the episode that he wrote where he was just like you can tell that he truly loves and just gets Doctor Who mm-hmm. um, you know that's I think that's that would be his example and this right. is just this is this is game and just like this is a love letter definitely and like a love letter like i don't know i've heard we, we i think you and i discussed because io9 posted an article saying like oh if you can if you wanted to ever start doctor who you could start with this episode and while i think that you could easily start no on way. this episode no I way i wouldn't because it just like it, the you, more you know about doctor it would doctor mean who, nothing to you yeah it, it would yeah. like it's you'd enjoy it you'd have fun but like you would you just, i don't think you would i really don't i'm really? i'm sorry like i don't subscribe to that theory at all you think so? This is no. Do not show this to someone who they they wouldn't get the significance of anything and the whole point of the episode is the significance of everything. Okay. I do see that. Yeah. I think you're right. So, then. Like, yeah, no, this this would be a terrible episode to start with. I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um this, yeah. is, this is this is a Doctor Who fans Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. It's like starting on Blink. Like you I mean, I could see you starting there, but why bother? You know, yeah. like why bother starting? Blink is cool because the doctor's not in it. You know, don't right? Yeah, you can't you can't show people to Blink and say this is a good example of Doctor Who. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's a good idea, good example of great science fiction. Mm-hmm. It is not an example of good Doctor Who. It just happens to be a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, but the doctor's barely in it. Like you, I mean, you barely see the TARDIS. You don't know anything that's going on. Like it's it's a totally different episode. It's it's a fantastic episode mm-hmm. but it isn't a good doctor who episode right yeah and while i do think that this is a fantastic doctor who episode like it you're right it is very reference heavy like it is very it's, like it's it's the doctor who fans doctor who episode yeah it's, it's yeah. not made for new people like it's no. not like it, it i could see it i could honestly see it working for new for new people and i could see them having i i honestly could see them having a good time but like it's something that like they'd watch and then come back to later and just be like oh i wish i hadn't seen this first mm-hmm. you know yeah, no, I, 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 I really don't think that they would have fun because there'd be too many questions. Who's she? Why? Because you barely spend any time on the TARDIS. You don't even know what the name of the ship is. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't. I don't see it as a good example of. You have to be familiar with Doctor Who to get this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, I, I, I that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it, yeah, I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't think you're wrong. Um, but. Yeah. Um, 
There's also, gosh, what else? I guess, I guess the other thing is like Amy and Rory running through the TARDIS. Like there is another thing where like, haha, we killed off Rory again. Um, and while we did do that last week to awful effect, um, I think that, I don't know, I didn't mind it this time because it was house torturing Rory and I never bought that Rory was dead for a second. Like I was just like, yeah. oh, house is just it, messing I, with them. It's fine here. And like, I didn't even really notice Mm-hmm. Until you just now said Rory died again, I was just like, "Oh my god, he did! God, <laughs> he just can't stop killing that boy. Like, why does everybody hate Rory? Like, all the writers just like torturing him. I think probably. Well, like he just he. I just imagine him reading each script and just being like, "Is this it? Am I really dead this time?" Well, they killed me again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I don't know. Like I think I think, but it worked. I think it works here because like. The first time that you see the the Amy trick where where Amy and Rory get separated and Rory, you know, jumps forward in time or something. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's so nuts. And then when they turned Rory old, I was like, that's a little weird. And when and by the time it was kill die Amy whatever, I was like, oh, this is this is house messing with Amy. Um you know, but god, it would still work. Like it still worked at the end of the day. Like it still worked really good and stuff. Um oh. Karen Gillan's so hot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's um, a regular thing. Actually. Yeah, it's not it's not, you know, unique to this story, but it's definitely something something worth mentioning, I guess. I mean let's 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 be honest, she was probably the best part of last week's episode. So yeah, but that that's you know, that's like that's like saying like it was the tastiest piece of broccoli. Um <laughs> Um not not to insult broccoli fans, it's just that's just my opinion. Um <laughs> um, but but yeah, this I it was just win up and down, and the calling characters house and auntie and nephew, like I just God, it just felt so gaming, and it looked like it looked like I'm not huge, I'm not a huge fan of Tim Burton work as a general rule, but it felt like really good, well done Tim Burton, like Tim Burton, if Tim Burton had a purpose to the work of Tim Burton, you know. Mm-hmm. Because Tim Burton often will like for me will just do wacky crazy stuff because that's how he sees the world, um, and that's what interests him. That's his, it's almost like his fetishization of things. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I I bought the production. The production design on this was unbelievable, and this mm-hmm. episode was so expensive. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, it looks like it looks expensive to the point where you can't be mad. Where like when they try and save money. Oh yeah, places. like that's the thing is like I think someone I was talking to someone and someone was like, "Hey, the ood are around." I don't see why they had to use the ood again. And I was like, I was like, well, instead of coming up with a brand new monster and designing it and making a whole new costume, I think I think any any opportunity they wanted to make to you know save it a little bit, <laughs> yeah, fine fine with me. <laughs> because because yeah, like honestly, like that would be one thing that I would have a problem with with this episode <laughs> is like why was that a nude? But that's a good point. It saved the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like, and like, because they honestly, plus, I don't plus, know. Amy's reaction to the Ood was pretty priceless, <laughs> especially like knowing what we know about the Ood as mm-hmm. characters or as a race, and knowing that they're really like sweet natured or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. seeing an outsider's reaction to the Ood that we are now very familiar with um, was was pretty amusing and refreshing. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. And and oh gosh, what like what else? Like I can't even I can't even think of what other what other meat to pull off the bone here. But like like well, let's talk about House. Oh, House a, God, as House. a villain. Yeah. What did you think of House overall? Just some thoughts. Um, I mean, it was basically Galactus, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I 
mean, well, I mean, really, he was he was Galactus, and 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 aunt and uncle were and and nephew were the Silver Surfer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Those were his. There was those were his heralds or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that, I mean, that's essentially what this is. Which, let's be honest, uh, should Neil Gaiman write a Galactus um, Galactus story? Uh, that answer is yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean that's that's basically what he was. I mean he's <laughs> he's a TARDIS eater instead of a planet eater, mm-hmm. and it was and it was I don't know it was really fun to watch him like take over the TARDIS and like it's one of those things where I think I think also someone I was talking to someone ahead of time was like oh look it looks like Amy and Rory are trapped in the TARDIS but like you know it's the thought of the TARDIS turning against you that's just it's just a great idea you know mm-hmm. and just it it just it works it just it just works on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, to have house be the evil TARDIS that you know chases you down. Yeah. You down, well, and so. I love the idea that it's it's a villain that you never ever see. It's just a, vo- a disembodied voice. God, and that just that just goes back to like the the Gaiman thing where it just feels mythic. Like it's cooler yeah. that you never see House. He's just a green light, which is yeah. It's just great. Absolutely. And and oh, and of course, like the very end where. It's it's hard to do Doctor Who. I've I've long said that Doctor Who is one of the hardest things in the world to write really well because, you know, you have fifty years and how do you make a character grow after fifty years? But Gaiman just figured out a way to do it and like that scene at the end, granted we we've talked oh. where he's like talking to the TARDIS and he just talks to him and I'm just like, Oh, this is so perfect. This is oh, so God. perfect. And then you just see the the console the, the console like move and the doctor just starts whooping and cheering and running around and I was just like, Oh, this is just Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. It was just so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I guess uh, the, one, the one other thing that we should mention, because, you know, you never we never really get a chance to talk about them, but um, it's very hard to be a standout director on Doctor Who, but Richard Clark directed the frack out of this episode. Like, he did. Oh, my God, he directed the frack out of this episode. And, like, he the did. last ones I think he did were stuff in, like, season three? He I think he did, like, Gridlock and... Um, uh, the Lazarus experiment, and like, I don't know where he came from, but he's so good, and I can't wait to see the other one that he does this season. I think he hasn't done it yet. I think he's doing like the the Gatus episode. Um, that I can't wait. Makes sense. <laughs> well, just just because you know Gatus was in Lazarus experiment. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, so I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so excited for more. I'm so yeah. excited for more. And this yeah. just, it just had my jazz, like, my jazz going, like, you, like, we were talking, because I talked to you after we did, after you watched um, Day of the Moon, and your I remember your brain was on Explosionville, and, like, after this, like, I was in such a zen, calm place of right. just, Right, like, that's, that's the difference between the two episodes. Like, yeah. that episode was, like, fanboygasm mm-hmm. type of episode, whereas this was just, like, I just watched the perfect episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And your mind is just at peace because yeah. you're just like, oh god, that was good. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I cannot think of an episode that I enjoy more than this one. Just, it's yeah. just, it's just so fun, and it's one that I'm gonna look back on like years later. Like I just know I'm gonna look back on years later and just be like, it's just the perfect Doctor Who story, and it's, it's lovely and magical, and I just, I felt so good after watching it. I just, I was just in such a nice place. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Although there is one other thing I think we should talk about, which is the um, the only water in the forest is the river. I think. Is oh right, yeah. Which gets buried amidst all the other awesome things. Um, I I totally forgot about that. I mean, that's. I mean, I, 
I, I don't I want to say that it's obvious because it seems like it's obvious, but I I I also am afraid that maybe it's not obvious. Um and maybe I'm totally wrong, but it seems pretty obvious that since we're getting to the episode where we're going to find out who River Song is, mm-hmm. it has something to do with her. Mhm. I'm probably possibly. Yeah. I mean, cuz we're going to find that out in in what? 3 episodes right? or so. Yeah. Yeah. So so we'll you know. see. Um, but that just that's one of those things where it's like the TARDIS I don't know like it's one of those things where it's just like something that I'm not even like this episode is so good like uh, the Moffat episodes make you question Doctor Who and speculate and do all this stuff but this episode just like at the end of it I'm just like that's just something for me to tuck in the back of my subconscious in the back of my mind and I'm just gonna sit with it for until it Mm -hmm. until it becomes relevant you know and then when it's Mm -hmm. ready I'll pull it out Mm -hmm. you know Mm mm-hmm and that's just what it is. And, like, that just goes back and, like, you buy the line because the TARDIS in this is so well written. Like, it's just uh, far be it enough for you to actually come up with the concept. But to write the TARDIS this effectively, like, mm-hmm. to write it so, I guess, I hate the term, but, like, so timey-wimey. Like, she's constantly referencing things that will be referenced later in the episode or earlier in the episode. And, like, is just in a place of like she's in a place of temporal flux the whole story and like Mm -hmm. it just it's it it benefits you so many rewatchings of this just to watch all the references because the second time her nonsense babbling made so much more sense and i was just like i'm an idiot for not seeing this before right yeah yeah no that she she was written perfect and speaking of i mean we, we were gushing about neil gaiman earlier but i i never said this specifically good God, does Neil Gaiman write the hell out of the Doctor? Oh yes, oh, oh yes. Like every every opportunity he takes to write, the, like it just it works on every on every level. Yeah, on every level, and you can tell he, that it's someone who just gets his character. Oh, the like the whole thing where where he he's just like, well, you know how when you blow a bubble, sometimes there's a little bubble on the big bubble. It's kind of like that. It is only not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all and then and then just like his reaction to amy being like so we're on a smaller bubble universe on the side of a big bubble universe and he's just like yes no but if if it helps helps, yes (laughs) (laughs) i just it was it was was just like and then like like matt smith's his his portrayal of those lines were just so perfect because it's like the perfect level of just like i'm talking to a stupid ape (laughs) <laughs> At the same time as like him trying to be patient with them, like, <laughs> and he's not just having like, well, enough patience on you. to explain it. Like he just, <laughs> this is lost on you. Whatever, I don't care. Yeah, just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. Come on. Oh God, I loved it. Oh, it Neil was... Gaiman is just—he's so good in this. Yeah, so good. I'm gonna. I'm definitely like. I'm now looking forward. I'm more than I've ever been to to reading some of his work. Like just more of it, and like. I, but I think that it's never going to stand up to this because all I want is Neil Gaiman writing Doctor Who. So, mm-hmm. so you've um, seen Stardust, right? I don't. I actually don't think I have. Oh, okay. I'll go watch it. I'll go watch it. Let's put him on. Put him on my Netflix. Too. Isn't that like Matthew Vaughn or something? The guy. Yeah, did, that's yeah. that's his debut. Debut? No. Second no, he film, did Layer Cake. Film. Yeah, he did Layer it's Cake. the film he did right after Layer Cake. Okay, I'll watch um, it because I've heard good things. Yeah, oh, it's it's you're gonna love it. It's, okay, it's it's this generation's Princess Bride, or at least it should be. Well, you that, know, the Princess Bride I think took a couple years to become the Princess Bride, so I think we're yeah, we're that's right true on track. too. Um, um, but but it's it's fantastic, and uh, yeah, that's a really good Neil. I'm probably going to pick that for a movie night. 
<laughs> you should. You should. Because I love that movie, and mm-hmm. I would love to talk about it. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think that's that about wraps up The Doctor's Wife. Um, spoilers, The Doctor's Wife is the TARDIS. Hey! But, but uh, uh, again, it only makes sense that it would be. like. Oh, absolutely. Oh my god, it's so obvious. Yeah. Oh. Disgusted. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, just, it's beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We've yeah. talked enough. I mean, really, if there's any word to describe this episode, it's beautiful. I would go with magical, but beautiful. Works magical too. works too. Yeah. yeah. Either one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, but, oh, oh God. God. When she, when she, when she, like, when she dies and is in the main console, like, the way that the Doctor Trick's house was brilliant. And then... That, of course, the line where he's he's like, "I've killed hundreds, of, I've killed dozens of time lords," and he's just like, "Well, I've killed all of them. Sue me." Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're oh just like, god. "Oh my god!" And then like, and then when, and then when, when, when um, uh, Idris dies and all the TARDIS just flies back into itself, I was just like, "Oh, that's expensive." And or even the part where she like starts the other TARDIS and she's just like, "Oh, you stupid little man, you've got me," and she like just kisses herself, like kisses her hand and like imbues it with that magic power. You're just like, "Oh." Oh yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my god. She's like a little like she, she they, he wrote her like a fun little pixie, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. oh god. And She's and so that's perfect. what she would be. Like yeah. they captured like I don't know how Saran Jones did it and it's pro- it's a it's a it's a combination of actress and director and writer like a perfect perfect mesh of everything but they just like cuz at no point do you not believe that it's not the TARDIS. Which is oh, no, never. ridiculous if you think about it, because that takes like you have to suspend a lot of disbelief to believe that. And they pull it like as soon as she says the TARDIS, you're like, of course she's the TARDIS, of course she is, and that makes sense. And it may, and it's perfect, and it's and it and you just buy it at every at every fracking turn. You just buy it. It's God. This episode was good. Mm-hmm. Like it was. It, it's impossible. It's impossible how good this episode was. And Neil Gaiman needs to write next season, please. Please. Watch him <laughs> turn into a Robert Shearman and never write another Doctor Who story. That would be so sad. Yeah. That Not that Robert Shearman didn't write other things, but after Dalek, come on, please write for Series 7, Robert Shearman. <laughs> I follow him on Twitter. He, he might listen to me, maybe. I know he loves Doctor Who. Anyways. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, All next right, week so- is... Uh, uh yeah um yeah so next next episode is the rebel flesh which is uh part one of a two-parter written by um what's his name matthew the unfortunate graham right matthew graham who uh also wrote fear her which is probably my least favorite episode of the new series oh it's easily the weakest like it is Ugh. easily the weakest. Like I won't. I would even say probably. Like it, it's far. It's it's the episode that I have vowed never to watch again, and I keep watching it again. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> it's unfortunate. Um. So anyway, he's writing this two parter, the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People, and mm-hmm. uh, part one is next week. So fingers crossed, it's not as bad as I'm imagining it will be. <laughs> Very much fingers crossed. Yeah. Very much fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and then after that, uh, a good man goes to war, which is the mid-season finale. Yeah, which yeah. I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And that means that this episode was the middle episode, which is just like, 
I mean, I'm sad it's over, it's almost over, but I'm so satisfied by this, I don't care. Because I can go watch this again and again. Yeah. (laughs) True story. True story. Um, All right. So uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, The Geek Show, we we were supposed to premiere June 1st originally, (laughs) but um, we're just, we're we're not to a point where we're comfortable um, with uh, doing the show yet. Yeah. Life kind of snuck up on us and crashed down and all that stuff. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, push the premiere of that until we're more comfortable uh, with where the show is, I guess, creatively. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we're just uh, – we're, we're, we're waiting on that. We're thinking it's going to be like late summer, early fall before yeah. that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just – it's going to be for the best betterment of the show. So. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. we'll be, we've done audio blogs. Like, I don't know if you guys have been watching the, um, watching the website we've been doing, like we put up a review of Thor last week. And before that we did that explosive Wonder Woman pilot review, um, yeah. which I only say is explosive because <laughs> it was pretty explosive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we're, we're, we'll put up more of that and that'll be kind of like a precursor prologue just to keep you guys satiated i guess until the geek show because it's going to be the geek show's kind of going to be like that but a little bit different and there's some surprises in store and all that so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so anyway all right guys um i think that about wraps us up so uh go ahead and um oh yeah you should listen to movie night geek show also yeah the last episode that came out was uh, can't hardly wait three o'clock high and easy a will both be coming out this week and then uh, the faculty next week. Mm-hmm. So um, lots of good stuff to, to keep in mind for that. And then we've got some interesting picks for June. Great so, picks for June. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, I know. I know. Me too. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Uh, right. Bye. Bye.